Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the 1030 service. It's so good to see everyone. If you want to stand with us, we're going to kick into worship and people will fall in as they do. Welcome to the online congregation tuning in with us. We pray that you encounter God in your home with us this morning.
so glad that you're here joining with us. And thank you for leading us in worship. That was amazing. Wasn't it so good? Let's give him a quick round of applause. No, it is. I love it. I love just the uh, direction and posture that that leads us into this morning. That we are, as people committed to following Jesus or checking this Jesus guy out, uh, seeing him as king and Lord over everything. Uh, so thank you so much. If you were a bit lost in the words, because there's no screen nowadays to help us kind of guide us along, and the days of pamphlets are long gone too, uh, we are on the Bible app, uh, and that's where you can follow along with the lyrics and what's going on. So if you open up your Bible app, and then you click the little uh, tab that says more in the bottom right-hand corner, and then you'll look for events, and then find the Norris service, and that's where you're going to find all the lyrics and uh, and everything about the service to follow along there. So there's no more excuses to be lost in the lyrics now that everyone knows. So everyone should be singing along when we close in worship. So if I do a little walk around and don't hear your voices, there's no excuses now, okay? Uh, the second thing, if you're new here, we just want to say welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you're here with us and you belong here at the River Church. If you would like to, we have this little connection QR code where you can scan and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself so that we can follow up with you. Uh, online community, this is as far as I can hold it out. Maybe you can get there. Um, or just come and say hello to, to me or one of the other team members here at the River, and we'd love just to connect with you. Uh, so uh, that's it on announcements. But this week, Todd is going to start us off in this amazing new focus as a church. Uh, we are kind of shifting our gears and starting this really exciting new adventure that I'm personally excited about. I'm excited to be doing this as a church and with you all. Uh, and we are shifting our focus to following the words and ways of Jesus. Because this is really what the River Church is all about. As a people, we are people who are committed to following the words of Jesus, his teaching, and the ways of Jesus, the things that he practiced. And so we want to get together as a community of people and be all in together to this and join in this amazing revolution that Jesus has started 2,000 years ago and that we're continuing. So Todd is going to lead us off this morning. So I'll pray for Todd, distance here, uh, and then Todd will grab it. Father, thank you so much for... Uh, through your Holy Spirit, leading Todd to this message. We trust and know that you are working and that you, Father, you, Jesus, are leading this congregation and that we get to follow you and get to enjoy you. And so we ask in your loving mercy that you would speak through Todd this morning and that you would open up our own hearts, that we would be ready to receive and join uh, the work that you're doing. So I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Luke. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. We're glad you're with us here as we are gearing up for a, a brand new year. You know, every year, and this has been going on for quite a while, uh, my wife and I have um, been able to get away between Christmas and New Year's. And it's been just an invaluable time. We uh, started going away alone, and then we started bringing the kids, and they loved it so much. Uh, we'd, uh, we, and now the grandkids are coming. 
We usually find a really warm place by a beach. Kind of sounds like Southern California right now, doesn't it? I mean, this morning as I was sharing this message on the beach, I'm looking back going, why do we travel to go somewhere that's in our backyard? But yet there's something about a week away to rest and reflect. It reconnects me with God. So I bring my own chair. I got a little uh, REI co-op, one pound uh, chair. And I was going to say inflatable chair. It's not inflatable. It's uh, you have to, you have to assemble it. And so you assemble this chair and I, I fly with it. I take it everywhere with me when I, I, I backpack with it, but it's a great little chair. It doesn't weigh much and I can sit on the beach and I can just sit there for hours. And I just enjoy that to open up the word, read, rest, reflect, connect. And it's something I do every year. And Without fail, God showed up this year. And I want to share some of my learnings. And what's amazing about this year is how it has, uh, the things that I learned dovetailed with our new focus as a church. We are about ready to launch what is a new phase of the River Church. This is something exciting that we've been planning. This is something that Denise and I and others on our staff have wanted to see happen for many, many years. We focused on other things to get to this place. And then in the last year, our staff began building and developing resources and tools and a strategy to unleash what we are calling the art of following Jesus. As Luke said, it's, it's listening to the words of Jesus and following the ways of Jesus. The art of following Jesus is not a series, but a new focus. It's a new phase for our church that will guide us for the next decade and beyond to become more and more like Christ. So back to my week away on the beach, in my chair, every morning getting up, enjoying some time away, and what I felt like, I, I started with an article and a move to a book and then some observations. And this is the way my brain thinks. So I read this article. It was from Amy Golden, Goldman Cass in the LA Times, an op-ed piece called How Time Became Unhinged, Unhinged. And it was all about how we've really lost track of time in this last year. It's been tough on all of us. We're not sure. We're not in a normal routine. And we've lost track of time so much so that we're waiting for things to get better. It's really ravaged us, she says. It started twisting the mundane. It went rogue on us, she said. Time didn't advance. Holidays lumbered past. Days of the week dropped their names. And we are all hoping that 2020 was a gap year in civilization. And that midnight, December 31st, 2020, we're all hoping that we would fully recover and we would be ready to start 2021 with dignity. And we all know that didn't happen. And so we're left with this gnawing, wondering, what is going on with our time? Where did our time go? And I began thinking about that, and then I picked up a book I always wanted to read called Sabbath, Sabbath Rest. 
by a Jewish rabbi written in about in the 50s, Abraham Joshua Hetchel. And it was all about how to basically recapture the holiness of time. Time has gotten away from us. And what he described is the technological age in the 50s has advanced and, and we're all working really hard during the six days and we're trying to wring out of the six days all the profit we can. And so we're working really hard. And then on the seventh day is an opportunity to recapture the value of all time. And that intrigued me. So I began to read about that. And, and, and what Rabbi Heschel, Dr. Heschel would say is that what happens on the Sabbath, Sabbath, we especially care for the speed of eternity planted in our souls. By slowing down and being aware of God in our time, one day we actually gain greater value using our time the rest of the week. In other words, without it, you're lost. Which led me to a thought couple thoughts. The first thought was, God, I need to recommit to the practices of the Christian life. And so that week on the beach, I began to think through what were my practices and what practices I wanted to lean into in the next year. That it would help me to become the kind of person I want to become. So I began to think about practices and recentering my life, like time in the word, like solitude. Bill did a phenomenal job last week describing one of the practices of Jesus in Mark 1.35. His week was so busy of ministering to people that it says that he got up early in the morning and went and prayed. He was so busy that he could not continue on without first stopping and praying. Solitude balanced the busyness in his life that resulted in productivity. And without it, busyness just literally ravages our lives and we lose track of time. And so Bill described that one, and I, want, I thought of solitude, I thought of prayer, I thought of time in the word, caring for others, practicing humility, Living in the present moment was another one that I focused on. You know, the one psychologist said we spend 46% of our time thinking about something other than what we're doing in the present moment. 46% of our time focused on not the present moment where God has you right now, what he wants to do, what he's saying to you. It's in a practice. And the second thought came to me during my time it was an aha moment that I'm not getting any older. Excuse me, I'm not getting any younger. I am getting older. I'm going to be 60 this year. See, I'm looking more toward the end than the middle. When I was in my 20s and 30s, you're looking at the middle. But when you get to 60 and 70, you start looking toward the end, and you're asking the question, where is time going, and how am I investing it for the future? And the future is not about yourself. It's about somebody else. And I wrote down, I want to recommit to apprenticeship and mentorship. Apprenticeship. Apprenticing in Jesus and coming along the side of others to apprentice in Jesus. And then 
this is how my mind works. All this is going on, and I'm journaling, and then a verse pops in, and here's the verse that ties it all together. Going, where is he going? Here it is. It's the Luke chapter 6, verse 40. Luke puts these words that Jesus speaks in the context of the Beatitudes. Matthew puts the same words that Jesus speaks in the context of releasing his disciples into the world to become just as he was preaching the kingdom of God in the world. So he, Matthew does a little different, a different thing with this, with this passage. But it's the same passage. It's the same idea. It's the same teaching of Jesus. And Jesus begins with a little mini parable. He says this, a blind man cannot guide a blind man in Luke 6.40. Can he? A blind man can't lead a blind man. In fact, they'll end up in a ditch together. I mean, it's just a short little parable. It makes a lot of sense. The blind cannot lead the blind. You've got to, you need somebody to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. And then he says these words. A pupil or a student or an apprentice is not above his teacher, but everyone after being fully trained will be like their teacher. He teaches a principle in life, an important principle that guided his life in ministry. And I found two things in this passage, and both of them are the things that God spoke to me about that week. Practice and apprenticeship. Practice and apprenticeship. Practice. Where are the practice? Look at that. When one is fully trained, he or she will become like the teacher. But only in the training process. There's a training process. It's a practice. It's a practice. You train to become. The word Katarizo is the same word in Ephesians 4.12 that Paul uses when he describes one of the foundational passages of the church. He says the prophets and teachers and evangelists have been given to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Look at it. It's not that your leaders, your pastors, your teachers, your evangelists are to do the work of ministry. They're to train the saints of the church to do the work of ministry. How, is that hap how does that happen? It happens very clearly through this idea of equipping. It's a medical term. It means to literally reset the bone. And you know if you've broken a bone, until it's reset, you're in agony and you cannot use that limb. Broke my wrist mountain biking many years ago, and I just stood there and hold it, held it in the hospital, waiting in the ER room for a doctor to come and reset the bone. It took about four or five hours for them finally to come in. There was another accident, and through the triage process, I was like pushed to the back. And by this time, I'm almost in shock. I am just, it, I'm cold, I'm shivering, and I'm in pain. And he comes in, and my finger's bent back, and he, and he says, what do you want to do with that finger? And before he even gave me an option, he snapped it back into position. And then he looked at my hand, took some x-rays, and said, your bones are all out of place here, and they've got to be reset. Have you had anything to eat? And I said, yeah, my friend just brought me a Carl's Jr. Uh, burger and fries. 
And so I had eaten that. And he goes, well, I can't take it into surgery. Let's see if I can pop it back in right now. Puts me in traction. And now that my hand is in traction, he puts a weight here. And a big, gigantic guy comes in who's a nurse. Looks like a football player, defensive lineman. Comes in and pulls down. And as he pulls down, the doctor resets the bone. And pop, in it goes. And the minute it got reset, I knew it. My hand was back. Now, it took several months in a cast for it to completely heal. The point is, you and I need the training in order to function. Like a bone needs to be reset in order to function properly. I've had some trouble with my Achilles after playing some pickleball. And it's just agitated. Now I have tendonitis. And so I called my physical therapist, Carrie Ayub, and fantastic. She'd come to the house and she'd work on me. And she'd work and work and work and work. And every time she'd leave, she'd say, here's the things you have to do throughout the week. And if you don't do these things, you're not going to get better. I can only do so much. You got to practice. It's practice. What are the things you're doing in your Christian life that are helping prepare you to be functional in your faith. Those are the practices, the disciplines, that Jesus is saying, the teacher trains the pupil. The second component that I mentioned was apprenticeship, and there it is. The pupil's not above the teacher. But everyone after fully trained will be like the teacher. The objective of the Christian life is to become like our teacher, Jesus. To become like Christ is the objective of the spiritual life. Galatians 1, or excuse me, Colossians 1, speaks of this idea in verse 28, that we are to become complete in Christ. The word teleos means complete, perfected, finished. That's the work of the follower of Christ. Galatians 4 verse 19 says that until we are formed, morpho, formed in Christ, to be morphed into Christ, to literally be transformed. It's an inward transformation, not an outward transformation. It doesn't mean you look like him as in the features, what he wore, the length of his beard, or whatever. It's, it's, it's his heart, it's his temperament, it's what's going on inside of him. It's the inward transformation that we are becoming like Christ, formed in him. It happens through apprenticeship, the relationship that we have with Jesus as a student, a pupil of a teacher. And we do that with one another. We get the opportunity to apprentice with one another. And those two key ideas form the direction of the rest of this decade for us and beyond. We learn the words, we follow the ways of Jesus in order to develop the practices through apprenticeship. That's where we're going as a church. It's about discipleship. It's what Jesus taught his disciples. And that Luke 6:40 verse describes now for us clearly the direction of the training and the apprenticeship. 
the practicing and the apprenticeship. And our focus will now be on this idea of the art of following Jesus. How? The following his words and his ways by the practices we do and the relationships we form. Practices build commitment. Relationships build connection. And you need both. So I want to talk a little bit about that. But first, let me just give you some definitions. First is the word disciple. When Jesus approached his disciples, it was first in John 1.35. They were already disciples of John, John the Baptist. They were following him as John was teaching the ways of the kingdom. John was like a, a pseudo rabbi teaching and had formed some disciples around him and began teaching them the ways of God. Jesus shows up. John points to Jesus. It says, there's the one to follow. And they turn and they, they say, where do you live, Jesus? What a question. But they meant more than simply, where do you live? Tell us about your life. And he said, the only way you'll know is if you come and see. You've got to come and see. That's proximity. Then in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus ups the ante and says, no longer it's a come and see and observe. It's now, follow me. They were fishing. Fishing was their profession. And they would have a new passion in their life. And it would be to follow after Christ. It would be the passion of their hearts. The focus of their life would be to follow Jesus, to learn his words and his ways. And then in Matthew chapter 10, he would send them out into the houses all throughout Judea, Samaria, all over Palestine. He would send them out. And that process of developing them is the process of discipleship. And at the end of Jesus' life, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the last words that Jesus will speak to his disciples are what? Go, therefore, and make disciples of the kingdom. Go make disciples. The last words are lasting words. And the last words that Jesus would speak in the context of that period of time that he had, teaching them about the kingdom, he would give them a command the great commission to go out and make disciples. Discipleship is really different when you look at it from Jesus' perspective than what was actually going on in the first century. In the first century, rabbis would gather young pupils around them to learn the Old Testament, to memorize it, to know it, and to know the rabbi's interpretation of the passage. Jesus did one more thing. He taught the Old Testament but he wanted them to live the values of the teaching. It wasn't simply the words, it was the ways. And Jesus' discipleship model included the words that were taught, the truth, but then how to live the truth through your own life. So he taught them how to do that. That was the discipleship that Jesus taught. You, you simply learn? No. You, you learn and you do something different. And Jesus taught them those ways. 
That was discipleship in the first century. That's what Jesus offered his disciples. That's what Jesus is offering you and I today. Well, how do we do that? Well, two things. Number one, the practices that you learn and the apprenticeship you enter into. So let's talk about practices for a minute. What are the practices? Well, if you want to become somebody different, you have to do something different. You don't just become somebody else. It's a process of training. It says in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, Paul will tell Timothy, after learning of the truths of Jesus and what Jesus did and how he modeled it, he will turn to his young apprentice, Timothy. And he will say to this, to Timothy, he will say, Timothy, train yourself for godliness. Timothy will ask, Paul, what do you mean? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about a boxer that trains for the event. And he learns how to box and learns how to move and the feet and the, and the moving of the head and the eyes and the, and the arms moving forward. And he says, you don't just hit the air. You got to learn how to really hit. And he was talking about a competition during the games. In AD 51 in Corinth, they held the Isthmian Games, very similar, second to the Greek Games that were held in, in Greece. And in these games, athletes would train. And it says they would train for 10 months. And it says actually that if they failed to train for 10 months, they could be disqualified and not compete. It was so important to train that training was part of the Olympic Games. And what Paul is saying is that that is a picture of the Christian life. That you and I need to train in order to become proficient. Disciplines are to the spiritual life what training is to winning a sport. A discipline is something that you do that gives you divine power to do what you can't do on your own. And the discipline, the spiritual discipline, is something you do over and over. Like every year when I go, I know God's going to speak. I know I'm going to open up my journal, and I'm, I'm proficient in this, that I'm going to hear from the Lord. Why? Because I've trained myself to get to a point where I know God's going to speak, and I'm going to write it down, I'm going to learn, and I'm going to it's going gonna, it's gonna to set the direction of my year. Do you have those kinds of practices? See, we've got to open ourselves up to that. Golfers have it. You wanna, I was out golfing. Uh, it's probably been a year and a half or so, a couple years. And um, it was out on this beautiful course, and we were getting ready, and I was trying to get my chip shot to work, and I was getting, trying to get under it, and all I got was grass. And I'd miss the ball. Or I'd hit the ball and it would go way too far. And I'm just, I just wanted to go five feet. I wanted to go 10, 20 feet. So a pro was watching me, walked up. This is great. And this is unsolicited advice. Goes, do you want some help? You want, you want me to give you a tip? I said, I would love a tip. I've never had a lesson before. I just watch other people golf, but I've never really had a, a, a lesson. And he said, you know, in your chip shot, 
take out your, your nine iron or your, your chipper and you just, um, your sand wedge or whatever, and you can literally just hit through the ball. He says, just go real slow and as you come into the ball, don't get under, just, just hit right, just right at it, just boom, and give it a little acceleration and you'll see it just pop right up. And I, I'm telling you, I probably didn't explain it very well, Tommy and George, but it worked. Whatever he told me worked. He showed me and then I did it. And it popped right up and I did it again and I did it again and I did it again. And I can't wait to get back out and see if I'm still proficient in that. I haven't practiced in a long time. But it's something you are trained in. You learn how to do it. Remember when I was in seminary, we went away and uh, had some wonderful time uh, for a whole month in a training program with some other students. And Denise was able to join me, so spouses were able to come. We had 30 days of instruction. But it was at the Julian Center down in San Diego. Dick Day started this based on uh, Francis Schaeffer's model of the Lourdes Center in, in Switzerland where you come away and you become discipled and you learn and you can stay and take meals and you engage with other Christians and travelers and pilgrims. And so we as seminarians were there and we were being trained. And then Dick Day's son, Dave Day, took us out. And we lit a fire, went out outside, and he began describing what it looks like to spend an all-day experience with God. And then next day, we all got up, and based upon our training, he set us loose and took us out into the high desert and placed us in different places all by ourselves to spend an entire day with God. And I learned how to have a day with God. See, you learn. You, it's what you practice that is going to make you proficient in who you want to become. But there's a second thing that I learned on that beach that makes up discipleship, and it's this idea of apprenticeship. To commit your way as an apprentice of Jesus with others. So you don't do it alone. One of the things I learned is that as I get closer to the end, not the middle, I want to leave behind my life. And the only way to leave my life behind is to impart it to others. So, who am I gathered around? Who have I called in close? Who do I impact? It's apprenticeship, mentoring, that Jesus modeled in his life. See, we find it in Luke 6, 40. We, we find it in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another person. So you can't be sharp unless you're with somebody else. That's the principle. Sharpness comes when you come close in proximity with somebody else. That has to happen. I love Lord of the Rings. And in the Fellowship of the Rings, Gandalf is uh, sending Frodo off with the ring. Bilbo's left on his own journey. Frodo has been left with the ring, the one ring that needs to be destroyed, that will destroy all evil in the kingdom. The only way to destroy it, it must be tossed into the cracks of the doom 
of doom in the depths of Orodrium, the Mount of Doom, the Fire Mountain. And so Frodo is now set off on this journey for three books, three novels. Frodo is on a journey to take that one ring that represents power, self-control, and evil in the world and destroy it for all humankind. And yet he doesn't go alone. While Gandalf, the wizard, is explaining this whole thing to Frodo, Sam, his friend, is outside in a hedge listening through the window. Gandalf recognizes it, grabs Sam, pulls him by the ear up, and says, did you hear any of what I just said? This is the most important thing Gandalf will ever tell anybody. And he says, I heard a deal that I didn't rightly understand about an enemy and rings and Mr. Bilbo and dragons, fiery mountain and elves. Sir, I listened because I couldn't help myself if you know what I mean. Gandalf knew that the only way to secure Frodo's objective was to send Sam with him. It was, it was Tolkien's way of describing how we do the Christian life together. Frodo had an objective that was way more than he could accomplish himself. And Sam went along and became the apprentice, the companion of Frodo's. And in the very end, when they get finally to the Mount of Doom and he has the ring and he's about ready, he needs to get there and he can't climb anymore. Frodo is exhausted. He's done. He's not going to make it. Sam says, I can't carry it for you, Frodo, but I can carry you. I can't carry what you're carrying, Frodo, but I can carry you. It's another person in your life. And I want to challenge you this morning. As we begin, there are practices that you will develop and there are apprentice relationships you will enter into. That's the art of following Jesus. And we're going to begin. It has changed my life. The practices and the individuals. You know my story with Bill McPhee. You know in high school the impact he's had on my life. Went off to college, and I remember the first day I went to a campus crusade, it's now called Crew, I finally got halfway through my first, my freshman year in college. This runner that, that knew my mom from Palos Verdes and and the moms talked and said, hey, go, go get Todd and get him to this Christian club. He needs the fellowship. And so Susie Meek shows up. She's a runner at Cal. And uh, she says, hi, I'm Susie. I'm here to take you to Campus Crusade for Christ meeting. Okay, I'll go. And she hauled me off to this meeting. And I sat and listened to John Bruce teach, the director. And afterwards, you know what I did? I walked right up to him, held out my hand, and I said, hi, I'm Todd Windorf. I'm a student here at Cal. Would you disciple me? That question launched me into four years of spiritual development that shaped who I would become the rest of my life. Worship team, come on up. I think Denise is going to come up. And um, 
lead us in a time of reflection. See, the message is over, but the training, the apprenticeship, it's just beginning. We want to provide opportunities for you to really develop the art of following Jesus. So, Denise, give us some ideas. Come on, Gene. We wanted to come up today and just encourage you because we're going to make this really fun. I mean, some of you might be sitting here going, the practices of Jesus. Like, I love his words, but practices, that sounds unfamiliar or scary or a lot of work. I remember when I met Todd and we, um, we he decided we're going to take a day and spend all night. I can't hold this microphone. <laughs> Um, we're going to pray all night about whether we should marry each other. And I thought, okay, well, I really want to marry him, so I'll do it. But, like, I'd never spent all night praying about something. And so we, we both took the night. We went away. And I think it was supposed to be, like, a discipline of silence. I brought, like, a ton of junk food <laughs> and just powered the junk food. And I, don't, I probably prayed about, I don't know, a few hours of the night. But it was a really good discipline, and it was a good practice, but it was the first time I did it, and it was hard, and it was scary. And so we want to set up this whole art of following Jesus in a way that is really doable for you and for the person next to you. So James, tell us how we're making it fun. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, it's it's very simple. Like This sounds like a new focus, and uh, fireworks are going off. And, and it is exciting, and we're thrilled, but it's really simple, the art of following Jesus. And so we thought about a few things. Um, there's two pillars that Todd mentioned, uh, sort of spiritual formation and apprenticeship. Spiritual formation, opening yourself up to practical ways of saying, Lord, work in my heart. Means of grace, opening yourself up to the grace of God. This could be prayer, this could be times of quiet, this could be times of repentance, confession, this could be times of forgiveness, times of solitude, fasting. There are a million different spiritual formation practices. And then apprenticeship is having someone come along with you and reflect with them on that journey. And so both of these pillars are, are things that we're going to be um, about in this, a little hot there, about in this uh, next few months. And so we have on our website, the front page of the River Church of the South Bay website, you will see the art of following Jesus. There's a beautiful picture there. There's a short description and there's a link to a bunch of resources. We'll be getting into those resources next week. We'll, we'll, the teacher and, and others will unpack a little bit about what's there. This week, we just want to give you the big overview. So we have given you each, Denise, tell them about the the booklet. Do you want to tell them about the baby step, middle step, and yes? Okay, baby step? so so here's what we we're spent thinking. a lot of time on this, and James, <laughs> of course, came up with all the fun names for it. So we were thinking, what? Let's offer opportunities. Yeah, closer to. Okay, I got that COVID fear in me. Eat so. the microphone, right. James. So, so what I would like us to think about is um, the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. You never regret getting into the ocean. No one has ever said, I wish I didn't go in the ocean today. Maybe someone has, but they're wrong. It's always a good thing. So we thought, let's, let's give three levels, three sort of tiers or levels of opportunity for opening yourself up to the grace of God. So the first one we're going to call the quick dip. 
This is for those of you that you only have a little bit of time to, to sort of jump into the word or jump into reflection or prayer. And this could be 15 minutes. It could be five minutes of maybe rereading the passage from the sermon that week or watching one of our um, Art of Following Jesus videos, which we'll talk about next week. Um, that's a smaller challenge. The, the next level up, we'll call the buoy swim. Y'all done junior guards or you've ever swum like the Avenue C buoy, right? It's a little bit, a little bit more of a push. You're getting out there. The buoy swim, this is going to be, instead of just reading maybe the passage that Todd or whatever preacher has preached on, you read the whole chapter. So if it's Luke chapter six, uh, the passage was out of Luke six this week, you say, I'm going to read all of Luke six. I'm just going to read the whole thing in a big chunk and reflect on it. And then the the peer-to-peer, this is the third tier, okay? The third opportunity. This is a push. Okay, show your muscles, James, for so this these, one. Yeah, this is the peer-to-peer. Todd should be showing him this man in a Speedo. <laughs> I tell you what, I hope that got on tape forever. Um, no, but seriously, he's a, he's a killer swimmer. And that peer-to-peer, if you've ever swum that or paddled it, it's a long time. It's a crazy challenge. This is for some of you that need to be called into maybe some deeper waters or you have the opportunity. And here is the challenge. The peer-to-peer, and you could put whatever you want in there. This is what we're suggesting. Take an entire gospel in one week. Just go for it. Open up. You could listen to it. Either the Bible app has audio or you could read it. And listen to the entire gospel. So today maybe it would be Luke for this week. And you read through Luke and you say, I want to watch. I want to read through Luke and pay attention to the way Jesus does blank. And the, and the speaker will fill that in each week. Each week, the speaker will end giving you the focus. If you're doing the peer-to-peer, I want you to read all of Luke, and I want you to look at the way Jesus prays, okay? So these are sort of just fun tiers. I'm going to make a silly video about it. It might involve a ukulele. It might not this week. You we'll may want to join Instagram for that viewing. So, <laughs> but anyway, that's the challenges, and, and Denise, yeah. Okay, thanks, James. So James, of course made this really fun, and all our staff has invested a ton of time into making this really a comprehensive way to embed uh, the the words and ways of Jesus, so you can tell we're really excited about it. But one other thing, and every week we'll have the buoy swim, the... The, the, the quick dip, the quick the dip, buoy the swim, buoy swim, and the, and peer, the to peer, peer to peer. So you'll kind of be thinking that way. Okay, this way I'm going to do a quick dip. This this year, this week I'm going to do a buoy swim. And then at the end of every service, we're going to have these brown uh, little books. We have hundreds of them. Our goal is that you would bring them every week. Keep them in your purse or in your back pocket. If you need another one, just grab it at the blue and white table. We have pencils and we have these little books. And at the end of every week, we're going to give you time to start this process in the service. We're going to call it reflection so that you can really think about what was spoken, how it pertains to your life, and maybe some steps you can take to grow and begin this practice. So we're going to have the three elements and then we're going to have the reflection time. And then online, there are other resources that you can use to enhance your growth. But um, right now, I just want to practice the reflection time. Amanda and um, Bree are going to do our worship too. But I want you to take out your brown books. Who needs a brown book? Raise your hand if you didn't get one. Anybody? Okay. So I want you to just think about some of the things that Todd talked about today. 
um, think about where are you in learning about the words of Jesus? If you come on Sundays, probably weekly, you hear the words of Jesus. But what about just privately at home? Do you focus a lot on the words of Jesus? Do you feel like this could be a neat focus for you in the next 12 weeks to grow in understanding and learning the words of Jesus? And then what about the ways of Jesus and this whole idea of apprentice whooship? like Todd talked about. Have you ever had someone model the ways of Jesus to you? Or is there someone in your life that you could model the ways of Jesus, his words and his ways? And just think about this whole idea of apprenticeship. James talked about swimming to the pier. I can't even imagine doing something like that for me personally. But maybe you can. You think about your relationship with Jesus. There may be things that you've never experienced, you've never seen, you've never known. So just spend some quiet time thinking about these things and write them in your journal so that we can mark the beginning of this process. And this sounds like a lot. I'm going to add one more thing, but we are going to repeat these things so they're embedded in our hearts and our lives. Something new, we've had it before, and it, it kind of fell off the map, and we're going to start it up again, is on those two big rocks in the back, we're going to have people there to pray with you. Uh, so that if you hit something you know, this week you need prayer for or something in your reflection time that you want prayer, we want to pray with you. So how we're going to do it, we've done big fancy signups and um, that worked for a while, but we're going to just do it family style. And each week I'm going to ask for two volunteers to go back to the rocks to pray for people. Who wants to do it this week? Raise your hand. Okay, is that Kathleen? Okay, I need one more for the left rock back there. Someone else who will pray with people that need prayer today. Thank you, Amy. Or James, whoever whoever wants to go back there. Okay, so just take this time of quiet. We'll have Amanda close us and just um, do some personal reflection in your book. God, our heart is that um, you say in Romans 8 that you awaken those that are your children, the spirit of those that are your children, to the things of you. We pray, God, that you would awaken your spirit in us, God, and that you would light it once again that presence that dwells within us, God, you, and that you would um, fan that flame so that our hearts and our minds and our lives would burn brighter and love more and grow deeper and be a witness to the uttermost parts of the earth.
celebrate this this morning. There's no shadow. There's no shadow. You kick down there's no shadow you wouldn't light up so let that be more than words that we sing God let those be truths in our hearts can we sing this one last time oh the overwhelming love of God and oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God and that he loves us and that he's with us and that we get to go into this journey together. So I pray that you all will, yeah, let's, let's, give, let's give God a round of applause. And we're so excited to go into this journey of the art of following Jesus together. And just a reminder, if you do need prayer, we've got some people in the back by those two big rocks on either side. So we bless you. We bless you on the online audience. Thanks for tuning in. We can't wait to see you next time. And we'll see you, if not this week, on Sunday. So bless you guys. Have a great day.